0: This is message four, and this is so important, guys. We're going to start dealing with something that I mentioned at the first night that we talked about this. We we, we have to get past living for our needs. We've got to come to a place where the step number one in your walk of faith, you have to know that you have to know that you know that you know your needs have been met period. Don't have to ask God. You just thank him for him. Now, that statement alone will rock you because you're like, well, now, wait a minute because many times your needs are slapping you in the face, right? And when we say needs, you can think on a surface level, I need money to pay my bills, right? I need healing in my body. I need that. But, you know, there's a lot of people that struggle with addictions, that need freedom. And you know what? Here's the deal. They've already, if they're a Christian, they're already, they've already been made free. So we don't come from a place of bondage wanting to get free. We come, we come from freedom and we embrace it. And all the bondages that are just in our mind and in our flesh all of them have to yield and bow to who you are in Christ. Not who you're going to be, who you are right now. So let's talk about this. Let's go back. Psalm 37:4, foundational scripture in this series. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires. Notice he didn't say the needs. He said the desires of your heart. So we said this every week, all desires, which are expressions of God's plan, purpose, and will for your life, come to you as a result of you delighting in him. They're expressions of God's will for your life. What I want you to think about tonight is as we get into this, there's the needs of my life, and then there's the desires of my life. Right? My needs have already been all met. It's not a matter of me going and begging God or asking God no. He's already met them. It's a matter of me thanking Him and laying hold of Him and just walking on. But I must... Step number two, I've got to delight myself in the Lord. I've got to make Him the source of my joy, pleasure, and satisfaction. If I don't, I won't be pliable. I won't be moldable, right? Because part of that word delight means to be pliable, to yield yourself to his will and him. It's the way we've been made as his kids. Do you know Jesus lived his whole life on this earth, yielded, open to his father's leading, right? That was, he was our example. It's the way people are made. Human beings are not made to live for themselves, right? That's, when you see that prevalent all throughout the world, what that is, that's a manifestation of spiritual death. That's, that's Satan's nature, selfishness, self-centeredness, and God wants you to walk free from it, and how you walk free from it is by delighting in him so that now he can give you the desires of your heart, which are expressions of his will for your life. We went on in Romans chapter, we went through the first six verses of Romans, but in Romans chapter 12, in verse six, this great, this great chapter on how to walk out victory in your life, right, verse one, brethren, I beg of you, Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable unto God, right? It's your reasonable service. Verse 2, how do I do that? Don't be conformed into the world's mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renovation of your mind. I've got to change the way I think, right? And then as we go in Romans 3, 3, 12.3, 12.4, 12.5, It talks about how that we are part of the body of Christ. We're all different parts, right? We all have have different gifts. We all have different things to do. That's how come you can't get out of place because if you get out of place, it just stinks because even if you're trying to do right, it won't work in certain areas, right? You got to get planted in the church, Where God has you. you got to live in the geographical area where God has you at. You can't just get tired and want something new and just leave and go do something else. Right? right? I mean, you can, but there's no life in it. Because there is nothing like being in the will of God and literally having you live in His strength. You live yielded to His love. You're led by the Spirit of God. Your provision is in the land where you're at, right? So this is so very important. And then in Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, it says, having then gifts differing. We all have different gifts that God has given us according to the grace that is given, right, to us. So we have gifts differing. We have grace given. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to, what? The proportion of faith. Or in other words, right? Gifts differing, grace given, faith proportioned. There's three things that we've talked a lot about. I'd go back and listen to those messages because now we're we're getting somewhere. And we've determined that four things will help you determine your purpose in life and without these four things you won't be able to you've got to understand that there's desires you must pursue the desires of your heart which the only way to do that is to delight in him how do i pursue the desire of my heart to pastor faith family church how do i do that by delighting in him right How do I walk out everything in my life? Do I ever seek things or positions or natural things? Do I ever seek them? No. I delight myself in the Lord, and he gives me the desires of my heart. Do you see that? So many people. I mean, I remember when I had a college and career ministry in Southern California. You know, people desire to be married. I mean, pray for our young people. From the time they're 18 to the time they're 30, there's life changes. You go from being a kid to all these changes in your life. And if you start looking naturally, we'd have people, you know, in our college and career group that they would look and go, yeah, there's nobody here. Everybody, I love everybody, but there's nobody here I'd ever marry. So let me go to this, this college and career group that has 800 people and I watched it over and over and over again. They'd go, they'd be gone about a year, they'd they'd sure meet somebody, right? But they're in the wrong place. We we talked about the scarlet thread with Abraham. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, right? Where was that? That was in a certain mountain. How 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 did Isaac get a wife? Abraham said, you go to the well told his servant, go to the well, and his servant said, hey, the woman, the woman who comes up here and says, listen, let me water your camels before I water mine, that she's the one. So in other words, he went where he was supposed to be and the Lord brought the person, right? So you, you, you literally, you gotta be where God has you. So you pursue your desires, how? By delighting in the Lord. And then you have this thing called gifts. You stir the gifts inside of you. you if you are up to here with the needs of your life, you won't delight in the Lord because you'll be just beaten down by the needs, oh, yeah. right? You won't stir your gifts. You'd like to, but you don't have time because you got all this other stuff going on. You think, right? Third thing grace. What do I do with the grace of God? you learn to flow in the grace. Like right now, I'm flowing in the grace. It, it, it's hilarious to me when I go down to Rama to preach, when I go, if I ever preach anywhere, I feel like I'm here. It's the same anointing, the same presence of God. Why? Because I only go where he wants me to go right? So, so that, that's why I'm, all, I'm always flowing in the grace. So I pursue my desires, I stir my gifts, I flow in the grace, and what else do I do? Faith. I exercise my faith, right? I have to walk by faith as the pastor of Faith Family Church, right? Just, just tell me what it costs, I tell Pastor Dave that all the time. Just, you know, we want to do this, fine. I need to know how much it's going to cost. Why? Because all I need to know is how much it's going to cost. This is not our responsibility, right? I think we're raising $150,000 to do some structural things. Guess what? We're on assignment. That's how come I tell you guys, just pray. See what God wants you to sow, you know, and, and get excited, and then when God... See, when you start learning that you don't have to have any of the money. If he tells you to sow $100,000, start getting really excited because all you got to do is claim it, bind Satan, command him to take the, his hands off that money in the earth system, command the angels of God to go out in the earth system and bring that money to you, and when, you, when they bring it, you sow it. And guess what happens when you sow it? When you understand that it's, it's not just leaving your hand, it will increase. Yeah. And what is $100,000 times 100? A hundredfold return on that. See, we look at all this stuff about giving wrong because we're always into the need level, right? Instead of just going, Tony, I want you to sow this much money. Well, are you sure, God? Are you sure you don't want me to sow more? It's hilarious when I talked to a rabbi about tithing. I couldn't get him to talk to me for a long time, but, you know, I'm a little persistent. When people tell me no, I just think they need more information, right? So finally he told me, do you know Orthodox Jews will literally, they take the tithe, and they look for ways to bend it a little bit so that they can sow more. The guy told me, he goes, this is what we really do. He said, He said, what we do is we will literally, at the beginning of the year, tithe on what we want to make that year, and then we know that by about June or July, that money will have already come in, and we increase every year. And then here we are, Christians, Spirit of God inside of us, going, I, I don't, you know, I just, I don't know. Why? Because we're living on the need level. That's the only reason. That's, that's the only reason. And, and it's hindering us from knowing who we are in Christ. It's hindering us from knowing how good God is. You're on assignment here. And, and it's not by some Fortune 500 company, right? Do you think anybody from Apple, when they go on a business trip, are concerned about whether or not there's really going to be a hotel room for them or a rental car? A trillion dollar company, right? No. Well, that Apple would look like a piece of dirt compared to our God. I mean, and, and why am I saying this, guys? Get ready. Because you need to prepare your heart for wealth. Because God wants to get it through you so that he can reach the world quickly. Because we're living at the end of the age. Right? So now's the time to get this. How you walk through life is you have to pursue your desires, stir up your gifts, flow in your grace, and exercise your faith. Right? Right? You discover, I said this last week, you discover and fulfill God's plan, purpose, and destiny by pursuing your desires, stirring your gifts, flowing in your grace, and exercising your faith. That was worth coming out here again. I could probably teach on this for every week for about 10 years, And I'm telling you, it would do nothing but increase our church, because you have to get this, right? Two aspects, again, of walking by faith. Number one, you must know that you know that you know. Have revelation knowledge that all of your needs are met. Your father's already met them, right? Number two, you have to know that you know that you know that God will always fulfill Grant and fulfill every desire that comes out of your heart. He will bring it to pass, right? So let's talk about this need-desire thing. What is a need? We've mentioned this before. A need is an urgent requirement of something essential. You need food. You need water, right? You need clothing. I mean, there's, there's needs, you know, you need a vehicle, you need a home, right? You, you need certain things, right? So it, it literally, a need could be a necessity that's been created by some emergency, right? Your washer goes out at your house or your apartment. You need one, right? I mean, for years, aren't laundromats wonderful, Right? For years, I had to go to a laundromat. I was so excited when I first had an apartment that had a washer and dryer in it. I'm like, wow, right? But you get used to that stuff, and then if they break down, that's a nice, it's it's incredible how much laundry, right? Is, have, have you ever wondered about that, right? I mean, it's amazing. Parents teach your kids how to do laundry. Because as they get older, especially if they're an athlete, wow, it's going to be a lot of laundry, right? Train up these kids. It's not like they live on a farm, right? They don't hardly have any chores, so make them do everything. Clean the house. Make them keep their drawers in their bedroom clean and organized. It will help them later in life keep their life uncluttered. But now, parents, to do that, you might have to be an example to them, right? Right? So, I mean, there's just little things. Not one time did Jesus ever say, ask the Father to meet your needs. He never said that. Okay? So let's keep going. We are able to believe that he already met our needs. When did he meet our needs? Almost 2,000 years ago through his redemptive work on that cross. You've been born into the family of God. See, many Christians apply their whole life to the need level. Right? Things just changed this year. Right? Because now, wow, I needed this much money in order to buy a house, but now, oh my goodness, houses greatly increased and interest rates are higher, so now I need this much. Well, I just don't have that ability, so I guess I'll never have a house. While all the time as the covenant that God made with you is that you should have houses. But you'll have houses that other people build. Right? Yeah, but I couldn't qualify I couldn't qualify for a loan, right? Courtney, we were just talking about this. Do you know, you qualify when you have all the money to pay for the house. Right? Now that, that, if that doesn't rock you, you're probably in denial. Right? God has literally, Jesus instituted an eternal jubilee. That means debt cancellation. Do you see how we, we've got to, we, we skim over this stuff in the Bible. Do you know Moses was 120 years old? God literally told him, okay, Mo, you're 120. You got to climb that mountain. You got to go die, okay? Because you need to be with me now. You finished your course. 120 years old. First of all, don't die down here. Go climb the mountain and die. And the Bible says that Moses is, it says his vigor never left him. That mean if you injected and you tested his blood, he's got about an 800 to 900 testosterone level, and he has 20-20 vision, he could see, his eyes were not dim. Don't you get excited about that when you think, my goodness, if God did that for one, he has to do that for everybody. And do you know what? He's provided that. Wow. So... Many Christians, again, apply their whole life to the need level. They approach God only on the need level. Have you ever done that? Does that anger God? No, no, he'll work with you. But he's got to get you beyond the need level. So let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter 1.1. Let's look at some things in the word of God this evening. So let's look at this. 2 Peter 1.1, 1, 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. That's us, isn't it? Right? One thing I want you to see in this verse, you should put a note right there. Faith is precious. That have obtained like precious faith with us. How did we receive this? Through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you, how? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. What is eternal life? Eternal life, the Bible says in John, is knowing, John 17, 3. Eternal life is this. It's knowing the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. Now... The Bible is, is telling us right here that we are, as, as it says, grace and peace is not added, it's multiplied to us through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, according as his divine power, half, is that past tense, present tense, or future tense? Past tense. He half, so if it's past tense then it's already done. He hath given unto us. So that means we all have it. Okay, we all have what he's going to say right here. Given unto us all things that pertain unto life. Now, this word life is zoe, so it literally means all things that pertain to life as God knows it. In other words, God wants you to live at his level. Not just when you get to heaven. He wants you to live now. Right? That, that upsets people when you teach this. Oh, dare you. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I mean, how else do you, how, how else do you, I mean, I don't care how many degrees you have. It, it, takes, it would take a lot of degrees and a lot of blindness to mess this up. This is real simple, right? His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Godliness. Eusebia. I love this word. It literally means a reverence and respect for God. Do you know that you have been given everything already to reverence and respect God in every area of your life. And it's a reverence, this word means a reverence and respect for God that is shown in your devotion and in your behavior of holiness. In other words, he has given you and I everything that pertains to living on this earth the way God would live and to he's given you everything so that you can have a reverence and a respect for God and walk that out in your behavior and your devotion for God. In other words, it's like Philippians chapter 2. He'll energize you to want to do his will and to do it. Wow. How does that come? How did his divine power, it hath given unto us all these things, but how does it come to us He's given it to us, past tense. When did he do that? On the cross, his redemptive work. But it comes to you and I through the knowledge of him that has called you and I to glory and virtue. Now you know why a lot of Christians don't walk in this. Because they don't have knowledge. It's really hard to have revelation knowledge if you never pick up your Bible. Now, we can get down on people for that, but be really careful, because you come here, isn't the word of God rich here? It could lull you to sleep almost to the point. Have you ever left church and you're just like, that is so, so good. I mean, I, I leave every service like that. I just, I'm like, wow, right? You know, I need to make some adjustments. I'm, I'm doing, you know, but I'm gonna believe God, right? But see, you could, you could it's so rich, That it'll resound as you leave. That you can go two or three days and not be in the word. Us. Can I be your pastor tonight? Right? And if you're only a listener, it's even worse. You deceive yourself. You think you're in the word all the time. But you're really not. Right. Right? But pastor, I'm so busy. Yeah. Yep, you're so busy approaching God on the need level you're thinking about the need level, you're thinking about everything you need, which, guess, when you think about what you need, guess who you're thinking about? Yourself. Yourself. Guess what that is? That's spiritual death. You're not made to think about yourself. Praise God, pastor, let's keep going. So this verse right here is talking about your needs. How will you know that you know that you know that all your needs are already met it'll come through the knowledge revelation knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ in other words it'll come through gaining revelation knowledge of the Word of God the more revelation knowledge you get the more you'll know wait a minute all my needs are met you'll look at the empty checkbook and go wait a minute that, that that's not right right and you'll be pliable enough to where God will be able to move you wherever. You won't say to him, no, I won't do that, or you'll just do whatever to get to where he wants you to be. Right? Yes, pastor, right, that's good. See, the Holy Spirit etches God's word on our heart. He's the one that makes it alive to us. And all of this comes through the knowledge of him. If you have no knowledge of him you won't be able to receive these things. They're still yours, but you just can't receive them. So tonight, if you're sitting here going, "Man, I haven't been, I haven't been meditating in the Word. The word, it's, the word is not in abundance in my heart. It's not coming out of my mouth. Did I mess this all up? No, no, no. It's still all yours. It's all on the table, and the very God of the universe, the Holy Spirit, is on the inside of you." to show you and walk you and teach you how to, how to reap, reap it, how to grab hold of it, how to walk in everything. If you come up short in any area of your life, right now, if you're looking at your life and you're coming up short in any area of your life, don't worry and don't be frustrated. Focus on gaining knowledge of him. Boy, I'll tell you, this is worth coming don't get don't worry about your finances, don't worry about your health, don't worry about where you are, don't worry about your kids, don't worry about your spouse that hasn't come yet, don't worry no matter what it is. Don't worry. Right? You just focus on gaining knowledge of him. If you're in a business and you're like, man, I want to there's something I want to do, a ministry, whatever it is, In March, when I go minister to the third-year pastor students, we're going to talk about this. I know we will at some point. Because, listen, to walk out the ministry God has for you, how do you do it? You get your eyes on Jesus. You delight in Him. Right? You flow in your grace. You stir your gifts. You exercise your faith. This is how you do it. You seek first the kingdom of God. That's how come... Everything that you will do on this earth as you walk in the will of God, for in order for you to be full of joy and resting, it's all coming out of the overflow of your personal walk with Him. Everything flows out of that. I was so excited today because I got a text from a young pastor that actually, this guy just is a rock star in my mind because he had the guts to ask me for help. Can you help me? How do you study the word? How, do you know most pastors would never ask that question? Because I'm supposed to know. Well, how are you supposed to know? It's like prayer. Most Christians don't even have a clue how to pray, but they've never been taught. But they'll come and they, they, they don't want to mess around with prayer because it's like, you know, I don't want to pray in a group because other people will know where I'm at. Right? Don't worry about that. You got to learn these things. Don't, don't not ask questions. You've heard in school, right? There's no dumb question. Well, there's one. There, it's the question you don't ask, right? Get around people that are hungry. I remember one time I was with, uh, I ran, I was at Divine Truth, and I ran into a young lady in our church. Well, her and her family, and been part of our church for years, and. Uh, and man, she, we're, I'm talking to her, and she's just—you could see it. She's just like, Pastor, I just want to know everything right now, right? Everybody who's hungry is like that. I mean, it's just—it's just insatiable, because you're getting to know him. He's irresistible. So if you come up short in any area of your life, if you're sitting here tonight and you think you're coming up short in an area, don't don't get frustrated or worry. Get your eyes, start delighting in Him. Start gaining knowledge of Him, okay, through meditating in the Word. You ready for verse 3? According, let me read, let me to read verse 3 again, then we'll go to verse 4. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who's called us to glory and virtue, whereby, you could say this, through this, Through this are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Why? That by these, you and I might be partakers of his very divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Isn't that good news? Wow. So that we can escape the corruption This word corruption literally means ruin. It means decay. It means a wasting away. The corruption that is in the world through lust. See, God will give you desires. Satan will try to take a desire from God and twist it and turn it into lust. Any kind of lust that you walk in, a lust for money, a lust for sex, a lust for whatever, It doesn't matter. It will cause ruin and decay. But look at this. It says that we've been given exceeding great and precious promises that by these promises, we can escape. We could partake of the divine nature and escape the corruption, the ruin, decay that is in the world through lust. Isn't that good news? God has made a way. See, what is he talking about in this verse? In verse 4, he's talking about desires. He's, you see, these exceeding precious promises enable us to partake of his divine nature. Partaking of his divine nature will keep the lusts out and will cause you to receive the desires that he gives you in your heart. This is talking about desires. And if God would make his very divine nature, if he would make that available to you and I, do you think he would ever withhold a God-given desire in your heart? He would never do that. He is telling you, I want you to partake of me and walk like I walk. You are my child. Wow. The Bible said when Jesus was on the earth, He'd be moved with compassion. He would be moved and power would go out and heal all their sick. That's how God wants you to live. He wants you to live with passion, with destiny, with purpose, not down here hoping I could pay my electric bill. Laugh at your electric bill, right? I call you paid. See what God will do. Dare dare to put God first in every area of your life. You can't partake of his divine nature unless you've escaped the lust that is in the world, like the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. So now let's jump over. Let's talk a little bit more about this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start about verse 25. You guys doing okay? It's good stuff. Man, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought. This Greek word thought means an anxious thought. What is an anxious thought? It's worry. In other words, don't ever take a thought that's trying to get you to worry. Interesting. In other words, guess what? A lot of these thoughts that are hitting your mind, it's the enemy trying to hand you something. And God is saying, take no anxious thought. Don't take any thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, yet your body, what you shall put on, right? Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? See... In other words, what I want you to see here, this is going to get into need level. So we're talking about finances, we're talking about the needs of your life, everything. Step number one, God's whole financial system, God's whole dealing with you walking free from needs, has to deal with you never worrying. What is it, Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two. Cast your burden on the Lord. What is a burden? That Hebrew word means anything that's bothering you. Cast that burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you because he will never allow the righteous to be moved. But you gotta cast that burden. See, he can't carry the burden if you're carrying it because he would have to violate your will to carry it, and he will never do that, right? So let's keep going. The first thing God addresses in this whole thing, talking about needs. And, and guys, when we talk about needs, we got to start with finances because so many times finances is a big thing. Do you know that God, I mean, this is kindergarten. This is the one area finances. If your eye is dark in this area, it literally darkens your whole life. That's how come for us as a church, man, I, you know, I care. If you honor God in your finances, I really care because I want you blessed. I'll never look differently at anybody, whether they tithe or not. To be honest with you, I never look and check into that. But I can tell you this, if somebody comes on staff, if somebody's going to be at a level of ministry where they're teaching the word, they have to tithe, right? I mean, they could not be on staff or they could not teach, and, and man, we love them, that's great, whatever. But I can't have anybody teach the word. I don't care how gifted and anointed they are. They're blind. Boy, pastors never want to say that because man, that could tip people off. They could leave all this stuff, right? But no, we got to say this. See, the first thing God addresses, people don't sow, why? Because they are worried they will not have enough. We all learn how to add, right? If you need $2,000 to meet your bills, right, and you make $2,000 after taxes, you got your bills met. Well, time out. God says 200 of that is his. So now I'm $200 short on meeting my bills. That's how come God says, listen, I'm God. Test me. See see if I, I won't. Do some things to make sure you always have more than enough, right? And if you study the thing test, in the Old Testament, it was like three years. You'll never meet a person that tithes for three years. By the end of three years, they understand everything's God's, and and I just want to honor him, breathing's optional, eating's optional, living in a house is optional, but I will always, right? Right? I mean, because it's just an honor thing. But when you start out, at my, it's not, you're not there yet. You just got to step out of the boat. But God's faithful, right? But that's why people don't sow. And this is why to become, to go in our all-in class and to you know, say, hey, this is my church, we're, we're never going to ask you to sign on a dotted line that you're going to tithe. That's between you and your father, Right? Because we can't work out your salvation. You've got to work it out. Does that make sense? And God will help you. And if tonight you're hearing this and it's like, oh, don't get frustrated, don't worry, gain knowledge of him. Because when you gain knowledge, revelation knowledge that he's your provider, you'll step out, right? So what's the key to prosperity? Thinking the right way and understanding right things. Well, now, wait a minute, Pastor. No, the key to prosperity is having more money. No, it's not. Nope. No, it's not. It's thinking the right way and understanding right things, which comes as you gain knowledge of God. A steward is a person who does natural activity to position themselves to obey God. Do you ever think about, I'm always trying to position myself so that I could obey God. Always. Because He is not part of my life. He is my life. He's every bit of my life. Verse 26, God gives us an example. "Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought, now remember, he just told you don't take any anxious thought. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to your stature? I mean, could you really, could you ever add 18 inches? That's a cubit to your stature, right? By taking a thought. And why do you take thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is brown because we live in Nebraska, (laughs) shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Right? Verse 31, therefore, because God will take care of you. Take no thought. Again, don't take any, don't worry. Now, now it doesn't say, now remember, okay, Romans 12, 2 doesn't say to remove your mind. It says to renovate your mind. This is saying take no thought. It's not telling you not to think. Okay? Someone is offering you a thought, and Jesus is saying right here, For the second time, don't take it. Don't take an anxious thought. How do you take a thought? By speaking it. Thought hits your mind, man, you're in trouble financially. Man, that disease is getting worse. This is getting bad. Man, you know what? There is no way that what you want, there's no way. You could look in the natural, there's just no way for it to come to pass. Don't take that thought, right? You take a thought by saying it. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? Do you see this? God is literally saying, don't ever worry or take an anxious thought about your needs. Not not ever. Most of our prayers are releasing worry about our needs. God, man, I, I need you to. You got to come through, right? Get, get that out of your vocabulary. We don't, ask, we don't need to ask God to do things he said he's already done, right? You just thank him that he provided it for you. See, faith never denies that a problem exists, right? Faith acknowledges that there is a higher power god who will supersede this need that i'm seeing i faith does not ever deny the problem exists it denies its right to exist in my life because of who god said i am and what he's done for me in other words faith as you exercise your your faith to walk in your gifts, to flow in your grace so that you can fulfill the desires of your heart. As you do that, faith simply takes God at his word. If he said it, that's it. I'm resting. I'm not going to try to make this happen. No, he will do that, right? So, verse 32. For after all these things to the Gentiles seek, For your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. See now, here comes the master key to operating in the kingdom of God. Now remember, you're a Christian, so God took you out of the delegated influence once and for all, Colossians says, transferred you into the kingdom of God's dear son. You are in this world, but you're in the kingdom in this world. Here is the master key, verse 33, to the kingdom of God, to operating in it. What is the master key? But seek ye first the kingdom of God, the spiritual realm which God is the head. You seek that first. And what else do you seek first? And his righteousness. What does that mean? His way of making you right right? His way of making you right with him. See, if, God, if people don't seek God's way of making them right with him, guess what they will do? They will find their own way. That's called works. It could be called religion, right? What was God's way of making you righteous? Faith. You're to seek that first, right? See, when, when you try to make your own way through works, this is what manifests in your life. Guilt, shame, and condemnation. Which you are never to walk in guilt, shame, and condemnation because you are, you're born again. All of your sin was once and for all condemned in the body of Jesus. If your behavior is messed up, you are not what you do. And when you learn who you are, now you'll be able to walk free from your behavior and your behavioral change. But the shame of sin will drag you back into the sin. That's why we as believers, we give people unlimited grace because God gives us unlimited grace. Have you ever messed up? Have you ever just not done what he wanted you to do for 10 years? Right? Did, he ever, did you ever finally just hear the heavens roar and he's like, okay, I'm fed up with it. Done. You're out. Right? No, 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 that's not God. He's always wooing you. I've got a better thing for you. Hey, what you did right there, forget about it. That's not who you really are. Come on, let me gain some knowledge of me and then you'll see who you are in me, and you'll be able to walk free from this. So don't judge the rest of your life by the crisis that might be staring you in the face today. Don't judge the fulfillment of your desires by what you see all around you right now. God gave you desires to fulfill them in your life. We're not to become distracted, okay? Distraction's the big tool. Deception and distraction are the two tools Satan really uses. But we're not to become distracted from the substantial issues of life over less important things like our needs. We're not to to go down to that level. Nope, my needs are met. We, We can't be moved by those less substantial things. We are the, you know, we're the only creation that worries, right? Interesting. See, we're outside of God's natural design when we worry. Your body can't handle stress and worry. It'll make, it'll literally make you sick, right? Worrying about your needs. Now, remember, you love your pastor, because this, this, this statement, this sta- he was talking to me today, this statement's going to stick with you the next time you try to worry. Worrying about your needs is you acting like God does not exist. Can we, can we preach the truth in this place? Yes. Yeah. I better say that again. Worrying about your needs is acting like God does not exist. And i got to tell you, brothers and sisters, he exists. Yes. So, faith's response to every need that arises in my life is to believe that my Heavenly Father knows about the need and took care of it 2,000 years ago in his redemptive work. Right? This is where our words... Here we go, Pastor. This is, when our, this is where our words... Our attitudes, our thinking, and the renewed mind becomes extremely important. Many Christians cannot grasp a speaking that we have what the Bible says we have. That makes makes some Christians mad. I mean, there's people out there that think I'm just ridiculous because I preach that stuff. Right? That just makes me want to preach it more because... Because Satan steals from people that that don't understand that. Many Christians do not believe that God has already met their needs. This happens. Why? Because they've never been taught. But we've been taught, so we know. Right? Right? To say that I don't even need to ask my father for my needs means that he is such a good father. He's the type of father that totally takes care of me. Right? I mean, model this. Pastor Teresa was just telling me the other day. She said, if I go ask my parents for anything, they just give it to me. I think she used an example. Mom, can I have money the other day or something? And, and it's like, just pulled it out and gave it to her before she, she was kind of messing around, and, but she probably took it. Yeah, she, she, she's a good receiver. That's right. But you know, hey, you can't be a good giver. She's a really good giver too, but you can't be a good giver if you're not a good receiver. So they modeled that, right? It's, it's dad. We know him as Torian. Actually, he's actually Elshadad. There's El Shaddai, and then there's El Shaddad. so that's Torian, right? Why is that? Because he knows all his needs are met. I remember we were talking about gasoline prices one day. Torian's like, I don't care how much gas is. God's my provider, right? That, that will free you to get revelation knowledge of this. It doesn't mean you stop thinking. It means you stop worrying and you start resting. And the more you rest, the more you'll walk out the desires of your heart. In other words, what am I saying to you, church? I, and you should join this club, I refuse to worry about anything that's classified as a need in my life. Amen. So let's look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Well, there's more I want to say here, but we might have to do this next week too. Mark chapter 11, verse 24, just a a couple more minutes. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, notice it doesn't say need, it literally means to call for, to require, and then here's the desire part, it means to crave. Right? When you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. Desiring has to do with believing in your heart. Asking or praying has to do with saying with your mouth. In other words, those things that you desire, that you have a deep craving for, a longing for, you must believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Here's a religious thought. God will meet your needs, but he won't give you what you want. According to God's word, He's already met every need, to God all of your needs are past tense. So God desires, he longs, he's determined and he's obligated to meet all of your needs to give you he's already given that to you. Now he's obligated himself to give you the desires of your heart. That he wants that to be your focus. The reason most Christians don't possess their desires, the desires of their heart is because they've not accepted the fact that God's already met their needs. And this is why honoring God in your finances is so important. This is why honoring God in everything, in your schedule, in everything, is so important. Believing your needs are met, it's one level of faith. Believing God for the desires of your heart, that's a higher level of faith. See, so many people have tried to use Mark 11 Verses 22 through 24, and they've never been successful because they're using it to get their needs met, and it's not for your needs, it's for the desires. That's why. It gets back to that simple little thing that when I heard it years ago, I thought, okay, that's so stupid, of course. Of course, Brother Hagin. The, of course the word works if you work it, right? 40 years later, or 30-some years later, I'm like, Wow. The word actually works if you'll work it, right? This is so big. We must settle the fact that our needs are already met, right? And you'll never have to jeopardize your needs to get your desires, okay? You'll never have to do it, never. Psalm 37, let me just read it again as we come to the close of this. Trust in the Lord and do good. And so shall you dwell in the land, and verily you shall be fed. This is dealing with your needs. You'll be pastored. You'll be shepherded. It's dealing with your needs. Verse four, delight yourself in the Lord, and also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. This deals with desires. There are many people using their faith who never learn to trust. You gotta trust God in order to walk by faith. You come to God first, And then you use your faith to receive the desires of your heart and walk them out. See, what am I saying? Until you get to the point where you can totally trust God for all the essentials of your life, you'll never walk in the desires of your heart. Right? This is so, so very important. Hallelujah. 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 We might have to go a little further in this. Well, I hope this has helped you a little bit tonight. This is a big subject, guys. I believe we're entering a time we're coming more and more into it, an acceleration, where the things of God will accelerate in your life. But this is is no longer a time to play church because I'm telling you, other things are going to be accelerating. And we need to be built up. We need to know he's my protector, he's my provider in every way. Because God has no plans for you to ever go backwards. He's your protector. He is your provider. He is your increase. He's your deliverer. He's your health and healing. I don't care what weird viruses come out, what weird diseases show up. He is your healer, right? God has provided. He's your provider in every economic situation you will have more than enough if you'll, if you'll just but learn to trust him. So to do that, you have to get to know him. Amen?